0: Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Ryan. Thanks for joining us today as we continue through Luke's Gospel. Today's message is an unpopular and difficult one in our culture today. The exclusive claims of Christ cannot be accepted half-heartedly. And I fear for many of us today, following after Him means more than what we've been taught. Let's go together now into Luke chapter 9 as Jesus shows us the full extent of counting the cost of following after him. Thanks for listening. So my wife and I are driving over to Jerry and Teresa Cram's house. They live just past Crystal Falls as you're headed up north into the UP and I have got the GPS set telling me where to turn and how fast to go. And you know, you're always listening to the GPS because the GPS knows best unless you're in the UP. (laughs) And, uh, as we're driving along, uh, my wife, Emily, she had been there before. And so she, she knew where it was, but she wasn't super confident. You know, like it's, you you sort of feel like, I think if I see it again, I'll know. Right. So as we're getting close, the GPS is saying, keep going. And Emily is saying, I think we turn here and I'm going like 60. So I got to make a decision. And and the driveway's coming up and she's saying, I think you should turn. And the GPS says, keep going. And "Ah," I slow down. And, Of course, you listen to your wife, right, fellas? Right? That's that's what you do. But you know what I can't do? You know what I can't do? I cannot listen to both. I can't obey both at the same time. All right? I have to listen to one and obey it. Just one. I can't do that to both. If one is telling me to do this and the other is telling me to do that, I can only follow after one. This morning's message is not a popular message. This is not a sermon that you will hear in many churches. Uh, we, we are walking through the gospel of Luke. And, and we're going we're to look at what God says. That, that's the way it's going to go. Whether it's easy or whether it's hard, we're going to devote ourselves to understanding what Jesus has to say. I, I really would like to just encourage you this morning. Uh, do your best to, to work through what Jesus says without rejecting it. All the while listening to my Uh, uh, warning here at the beginning that this is a hard message to hear from Jesus because what we find is that there are going to be people who are saying look I'll follow you I will follow you Jesus and Jesus instead of saying all right let's go Jesus says are you sure are are you sure you know what you're getting into are you sure you know what it really means to say I will follow you The reason why this is an important message is because you and I, we live in a world where there are multiple voices saying, follow me. There are multiple voices, multiple opportunities pining for your allegiance. There are. The world will say uh, things like, there is no truth. Uh, That truth is relative. In fact, you need to be tolerant of all people because who are you to judge, right? There is no right or wrong. That's what the world says. Jesus comes and says something different. Jesus says, I am the truth. Which is it? Which is it you're going to listen to? The world will say uh, that the most important thing for you is the pursuit of happiness. In fact, it's harder for Americans because that's woven right into our... uh, Declaration of Independence. Is that right Yeah. The, the pursuit of happiness. Help me out now, history folks. That's correct, right? That, that, that's what we're offered here, the pursuit of happiness. And that's what the world will say, that it, if it feels good, do it. If it makes you happy, good, that's for you, right? And God comes and he says, don't pursue happiness, pursue me. Pursue me. I am the greatest good. The world will say, uh, you do you. You've got to look out for, for numero uno, right? Who's the most important? Me, myself, and... Yeah, that's what the world will say. And God will come and he will say these words. Don't think highly of yourself. You, you need to have the same attitude as Christ. And you need to consider others as better. Do you hear the different call? The world will come and will say there's no God. There is no God. In fact, they will devise a system to produce... What they believe are evidence that there is no God. Everything comes from nothing. That's what the world will say. What does God say? In the beginning, God created. Those, those, are, those are not congruent. Those are not two same paths. Those are different voices that you have to choose which one you can follow. Because you can't follow both. The world will say never bend, never back down, never show weakness. Right. This is what we... Here taught, it's the virtuous, the victorious, the the winner, right? Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. I, I want you to understand that there are more than one voice calling out to you in this world. But there is only one call from God. Our difficulty is that From our perspective, the exclusive claims of Jesus Christ look offensive to the rest of the world. Because we don't see it from God's perspective. There's there's probably at least an hour's worth of what I would like to say on this topic. So I want to encourage you to come to Bible study on Wednesday. And we're going to dig into this a little bit deeper. But for the sake of our time in our study this morning, I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 9. And we're going to look at what Jesus has to say. As you're turning there, I'd like to read to you a story that hit the press a couple years ago. This was <clears throat> this was recorded here by the Canadian News to some Christians who were martyred. The transcript goes like this. The following brutal murder of a group of Coptic Christians. So a uh, Coptic is um, out of Egypt. It's kind of North African area. Uh, these Coptic Christians um, were... Murdered by members of the Islamic State, ISIS. The names of the 21 martyred men were widely shared, and prior to the beheadings, the victims were kidnapped while residing in Satir, Libya, where they were working in order to support their families. Initially, it was believed that all of the men who were slain for their faith were from a small, impoverished village in Egypt. However, While the name and background of one of those killed was first unknown, Matthew Aguera was soon identified by friends who recognized him in the video footage of the killings released by ISIS. According to a RAM Canadian News, Matthew, who had been missing since January, was from the country of Chad. The video showed each of the kidnapped men dressed in orange jumpsuits, kneeling on a bench, with their black-clothed attackers standing behind them. Each man was then systematically beheaded. The video clearly shows them these captured men praying, Lord Jesus Christ, in their final moments. According to the reports, Matthew was not a Christian. However, just moments before his death, when the ISIS militants demanded that he follow Islam, Matthew turned them down. After reportedly witnessing the immense faith of the Egyptian believers, he decided to become a follower of Christ himself. On camera, one of the terrorists asked Matthew, Do you reject Christ? And he responded boldly, Their God is my God. And then he became one of the 21 men to lay down their lives For faith in Christ. There are multiple calls that go out to you in our world today. I'm entitling this message. Counting the cost. Because what Jesus has to say to us. Is nothing less than making sure he has the number one slot of priority. Of love and devotion in your life. It is a difficult call, but it is one to which we need to look into today. Matthew chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 57 and just work through uh, these three scenarios that Jesus gives. It's on page 1611 in your pew Bibles. Matthew chapter 9. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But you go proclaim the kingdom of God. And still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. What do we think about those? Those are kind of tough, right? Um, I have been part of uh, a diverse number of churches in my time. And if ever somebody came on a Sunday morning up to me and said, I want to give my life to Christ. You know what I would say? All right. (laughs) That's what I'd say. All right. That's fantastic. Let's uh, let's get there and talk about that. Um, But Jesus, when these guys come to him and they say, I want to follow you. Jesus is not so flippant to just think that that particular moment is enough to recognize genuine confession in them. Jesus wants to make sure it's real. Jesus wants to make sure that they have considered the cost of what it means to follow him. There are far too many churches in our United States today that are preaching a false kind of gospel. A gospel that particularly makes Jesus look like if you come to him... Oh, your life's going to be great. He's going to heal whatever's wrong with you. And he's going to provide whatever's lacking in your income. That the portrayal of Jesus is not the biblical portrayal of him. But it's one of idolatry where we would rather love health and wealth more than the sacrifice of following after Jesus. We're going to work towards uh, looking through these three instances to the purpose of giving reflection over our own hearts, our own lives. Evaluation to say... What if I was on that bench with those 21 guys? What if that was me? What is the cost that I would be willing to spend for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ? What does devotion to him look like and mean, like, uh, and mean to me? So these three guys, uh, let's look at them very quickly here. The first one in verse 57, I am calling uh, Mr. Hasty. I'm actually stealing some of these titles from a, a sermon that I heard when I was in seminary. But Mr. Hasty, right? Take a look at what he says. He says, uh, I will follow you wherever you go. Kind of sounds to me a little bit like the Apostle Peter. Do you remember Peter at the last uh, supper with Jesus? And Jesus says that uh, someone here is going to betray me. And, and Peter says, hey, hey, ain't me. Ain't going to be me. It might be everybody else. But I will follow you wherever you go. Now, little did Peter know that it was that, night later that in the garden they were going to or in the courtyard uh, he was going to be accused as well as one who is part of this perceived insurrection against the jews and you need to be on trial with jesus and what does peter say (laughs) it ain't me man you're thinking of somebody else it's not me three times that happens to peter and three times he chickens out because why he's mr what mr too hasty uh, this individual is uh, likely uninformed, which I would be failing as my job as a pastor to leave you uninformed as to what it means to follow after Jesus. Uh, it may be too impulsive, right? You're making this decision without thinking through what is this really going to require of you. Jesus' reply is difficult. Look what he says: "Foxes have holes and birds have nests." What, what's he saying? Animals have homes, but I'm homeless. That's what Jesus has to say. The animals even have it a little bit better. If you want to follow me, you need to be prepared to jettison everything that you find really satisfying and comfortable in this world. That's a tough one. It's a really tough one because it's cold out in the UP, right? (laughs) It's a tough one because what Jesus here is having him to recognize is that beyond the security measures that we find important to us, Jesus has to rise as a higher priority. Following him may in fact mean that you lose that which is most comfortable to you. In uh, Matthew's gospel, he records this same interchange. uh, But in Matthew's gospel, this one who's asking calls him a teacher, which implies that he's likely a student. And here's, here's the point I want you to see. Following Jesus means more than just sitting at his feet. Following Jesus means following in his footsteps. Let me say that again. Following Jesus means more than just sitting at his feet like a student, learning. It's not just learning who he is. It means following in his footsteps. Not learning who he is, but doing what he does. Becoming like our Lord. So that's Mr. Too Hasty. In verse 59, we have our next guy. He's Mr. (laughs) Too Hesitant, we're calling him. Mr. Too Hesitant. Look what he has to say, because Jesus, in verse 59, calls out to him. He says, hey, follow me. And this guy says, uh, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Uh, This one reminds me not so much of Peter, but it reminds me of uh, James and John. Uh, James and John were the sons of a, a prominent fisherman. A guy who had a, a good n- number of ships, boats, to get out there on the water. It was his profession. His name was Zebedee. And his two boys, James and John, were there working with Dad. And Jesus sees them as he's walking by. And you know what Jesus <laughs> says to them? Follow me. That's what they do. Now, James and John in this setting would be inheriting quite the business enterprise from their dad uh, there, there were a lot of people within the first century who had a hard time with food right um uh, earning a living was not easy at this time james and john didn't have any concern with that because zebedee had everything for them i mean the business was theirs they, they knew how to run it we could sign it over to your name they're all set ready to go but jesus says follow me their concern might have been, oh, I hear you, I hear you, but uh, we've got to take care of this first. Uh, I, I need to make sure that we get our inheritance, that we get what's coming to us, and then, when it's more convenient for us, Jesus, then we'll follow you. They're, they're Mr. Too Hesitant. They're, they're not committed. They can't get, get on board. They can't get behind the difficult calling to follow him. They're a little too indecisive. I want you to see Jesus' response here. He says, let the dead bury the dead. A few things for interpretation on this. When the man first replies, let me first go bury my father, there's a few different interpretations on that. Um, Commentators, uh, they do fall to the third, but the first understanding may be that his father just died, and so he just needs to bury him. That that may be it. Secondly, uh, in Jewish culture, there was a time... uh, where those who died laid in interment for about a year while the body decomposed and then they would gather together the bones Then they put them in a special box called an ossuary box And so there was a, a process of a whole year that had to follow So that may be what he means when he says let me first go bury my father It'd be saying to Jesus uh, come, come back in one year I'll be all set then because I need to take care of this but Commentators, again, are more united on the interpretation that sees this as a metaphorical phrase. It was an idiomatic way of saying, uh, let me first go bury my father, which means let me receive what's mine. That's coming in inheritance. That's very likely here what this man meant. And so Jesus' response follows in kind with that interpretation, let the dead bury the dead. He may have meant it simply hyperbole. Uh, just to be extreme, Jesus does that sometimes. He may have meant it in a metaphorical sense. Uh, speaking of the, so the pallbearers were the ones who uh, did the burying. He might have just be calling them the dead. Or Jesus may have been meeting this in a literalistic sense. But that's kind of foolish, right? Because what can dead people do? Nothing. So the dead can't bury the dead. Again, commentators are pretty united on this fourth interpretation as it being a rhetorical way of saying, let those who are spiritually dead be concerned about the affairs of those who are spiritually dead. But you come and follow me. This would be inciting to us the urgency of the mission. And Jesus is calling him. Right? I mean, imagine that you're in the military. Many of you have been in the military, right? Commanding officer says, follow me. Yeah, come back in a year. How's that going to fly? How's that going to go over? Give me 50 push-ups, right? Or something that's what it'll be like. Like when the commanding officer says, go, you go. And this is Jesus' call because there is a really important mission that needs to take place. Hear me now. God has called you. God has saved you to be his work of envoys, redeeming the world, spreading the good news. He's giving that to you, to us. This is why he has left us here. That is a really important task. And look, if you're not on board with that, you need to count the cost of what it means to follow him because the followers of Jesus Christ are those who he has empowered and in charge with this duty of spreading the good news. All right, last guy, not Mr. Hasty or Hesitant, but now Mr. Homesick. Verse 61, And still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. You may have heard Lois do our Old Testament reading this morning out of uh, 1 Kings. The calling of Elisha. You you might recall it, or or maybe you need to turn back there and and look at it again. But Essentially what happened was Elijah called Elisha to come and follow him. And Elisha said, let let me first go back and say goodbye to my family. And Elisha's response is, go then. What what did I do to you? As if there is something that you owe me. If If you're not on board with this thing, That's fine. You don't need to go. You don't need to to be on board. Go and do what you need to go if this is too hard for you. Because this is a serious task that I'm offering to you. And Do you remember Elisha's response? So you ought to go back and look at this in 1 Kings. We heard it, right? He goes back and he takes his oxen and he kills them. And he takes all the farm equipment and he sets it up like a barbecue and grills the oxen and feeds everybody. And then he goes to follow him. He takes, like Cortez in the new world, burning his ships, right? There ain't no going back. I am following you. That's this guy right here. Mr. Homesick, is he's he's not sure about this thing. I I don't know if I want to, I don't know. I'm kind of divided on my attention here. Let me go spend some more time with my family. He's a little insecure as well. Jesus' response to him is no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. You can't follow two things at once, church. You can't. You can't start out plowing this way and then look back and think, oh, I've got to go this way. What's going to happen? Is this job going to get done? You're going to be left with a plow in the middle of the field. You can't follow two calls. There is a call that Jesus gives to us, and we either get on board or we don't. But you can't listen to both. You have to choose one. Jesus will say it this way, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve two. You'll either love the one and hate the other, despise the one and serve the other. You've got to choose which one you're going to follow today. So, church, which of these are you? Are we too hasty? We haven't thought it through. Are we too hesitant? We really don't want to commit. I I mean, I like Jesus and all. I'll go to church, but to to really ask him to come and take ownership over my life, well, that's a little bit much. Or too homesick in that we really love the things of this world too much. It's a tough call. I told you this was a tough sermon. Here we go. Let's talk about some conclusion points. Here are the conditions on following Jesus. And and I got one that's not up here that I'm going to get to at the end. It's It's probably the most important one, all right? So number one starts out this way. There needs to be a recusal from worldliness. Uh, That's kind of a word that's shown up kind of lately in our political discourse, right? Recusal means I need to to pull myself back away from it, right? Y'all take care of it. I I can't be part of it. And the world here is going to ask for your allegiance and your attention. It's going to make it look really attractive as well. When I... um, Stood in front of uh, the pastor and the Lord and I made my vows to my wife, I said I do, right? For richer, for poorer, sickness and health, for better, for worse. I pledged myself to her. And I did not go out the next day and call my old girlfriend and say, hey, you want to go get a cup of coffee? (laughs) What, what What would she have thought if I had done that? She wouldn't have been too pleased, right? When I pledge myself To her in this new relationship. Something that was new. It didn't occur before, right? We used to be two separate people. But through the joining together of what God has brought, there's something new now. We are one. Which means I have a recusal from everything else. Right? You guys get what I'm saying? This is what it is with Christ. Don't be too hasty on this thing. This is a serious matter. And you say, I, I, I'm, I'm going to become a Christian. I'm going to get real with this thing. I want to I wanna belong to the Lord. I want to follow Him. Then what you're saying is that I vow to put aside everything else, every other love in this world. And everything that this world would offer me is going to come to in a far second place to my Lord and my Savior Jesus Christ who died for me. Man, if He died for you, To garner for you the blessings of eternity. What does this world matter then? What does the pleasures of this world matter? It's It's a blip on the radar of eternity for what Jesus offers you. This is what it means to follow Jesus. A recusal from worldliness. Second is this. An abiding commitment. An abiding commitment. I'm with you. I'm on your side. I'm ready to go. When you say follow, I'm ready to go. It's the picture again of, of the military officer who says, "Hey, I need you to be there at uh, fourteen hundred hours sharp," and you don't get to say, uh, "You could check with me later. This isn't. This is not a good time. I'm not. I'm not feeling up to it right now. I can't be. I can't be with the Christian life." Look, there, there are going to come moments for you following Jesus where you are asked to do things that are going to cause discomfort from your plans. It's going to happen. Someone needs help and you had other plans and they're part of the church. What are you going to do? Say no? So, someone's hurting and, and the call to you like it is to, to the Samaritan that takes care of the beat up guy. What are you going to do? Like the priest and step around on the other side and go around and the Levite. It's going to take sacrifice. You're going to hear of somebody who's down on their luck. And they're having a hard time and the Lord's been good to you and the bank is full but this kind of... is. More than I'd like to give. What are you going to do? Not help? To follow Jesus means an abiding commitment. I'm there, Lord. I'm on your side. I am with you. Thirdly, the condition of following Jesus that we're learning from this passage is undivided loyalty. Undivided loyalty. I don't have two minds. I don't have my old life that I still get to dabble in and and have a good time with and then my new life with Jesus. Sunday morning. I can go do that Monday, but in church, you know, this is for God. And there's a separation. This is not a true thing, church. There ought to be no dichotomy between your life and Jesus. I I, I hate to say you might be fooling yourself to thinking you're serving him. Jesus doesn't want one day a week. He don't want six days a week. How many does he want? He wants them all. He doesn't want your, your voice singing on Sunday morning. He wants your heart. He doesn't want most of your heart, ninety-nine. He wants all of you. It's undivided loyalty. It's like being pregnant. You can't be a little pregnant, right? I'm feeling a little pregnant today. No, you look, you either are, or you're not. There's there's no in between. We have uh, when I travel back to the Caribbean, we have to take a ferry to get back and forth to the island where I serve. And it's a small little boat that carries passengers. And uh, many times since I've been there, I'll, I'll, I'll hook up the rope and unhook it. But when that boat starts to move, I can't stay, I can't stay on the... I, look, you're either on or you're off. Where's where your loyalty with this with Christ? Are you on or are you off? Pick, pick one because you can't stand in the middle. You can't walk the fence with Jesus. Now I told you there would be a fourth one. And I think I have this written for you in your sermon notes. It says this. Jesus makes the claim to all of you. All of you belongs to him. Now, that's really good news. If you this day and and listen to me now, if you're hearing this message and you're saying, "Okay, I I get it. This is a serious deal. I'm either all in or I'm not. And and that's what Jesus is asking me to consider the cost. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to I'm going to leave the land and I'm going to get on board with Christ. That's awesome. Here's why that's awesome. Because Jesus tells us that he is the good shepherd. And when the 99 are following, but the one goes astray, what does the good shepherd do? Do you know if you were a business uh, in the business world, like a 99% return is astronomically good? Like anyone today would consider that uh, an acceptable loss. One out of 100? Are you kidding me? That's fantastic! Poor sheep, heck with them, right? That's how our world would look at it, but that's not what Jesus does. If you pledge your heart to him, I promise you this, you're going to fail at all these, all right? You're going to fail at every one of them at some moment, but he will chase you down. He will pursue you and he will find you because you now belong to him. And God watches over his own he won't ever let you fall. I want you to hear the two parts of this message. The, the, the first part is, it is a serious thing. It's a serious thing to say, I'm going to become a Christian. Jesus makes it serious. This is not me making it up. You read it for yourself. But the second part of that message is that within the seriousness of following after Jesus, you and I, in our weakness where we would still fail, we have a pledge from a faithful, good shepherd who will never leave you and who will never forsake you. The word of God says this, even if we are faithless, he is faithful and he cannot deny himself. The good news of this, this morning church is this, that if you, if you like Peter eventually and James and John, if you decide I'm going to follow after him, you now belong to one who controls the world and the universe and your life might get harder rather than easier. It might be a difficult road, but he will never leave you. He will, he will call you back. He will draw you back. Last thing I want to say is this. In the sermon notes, Matthew 13, Jesus gives two pictures. And this is what it needs to look like. Two pictures of what it looks like for the kingdom of God. Matthew 13, and 46. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it. He hid it again, then with joy he sold all that he had, and he bought the field. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and he bought it. You don't need to sell all your stuff. All right, I want to make sure you didn't misunderstand this message. You don't need to go home today and put all your clothes on eBay. Don't do that. You need to make sure that your wardrobe and your pickup truck and your house and your very life come second to Jesus Christ. That's what you need to do. And if for you, they're number one, then maybe you need to sell them. All right. If they are going to be an idol in your life, taking the place of Jesus, get rid of them. But if you can mentally and spiritually in your heart recognize that, Lord, you could take it all. You could take it all. Because I have you. What have I on earth but you? And there's nothing that I desire besides you. God says, pursue me. There's two voices calling out to you. Church, there are. You can't follow two. You can't follow two at, at once. You've got to choose the one you're going to follow. I want to ask if you will bow your heads. We're going to...